Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to another episode of Car Stories with Sung Kang and Amelia Hartford. Today we had Magnus Walker, who is a legend in the car space. Mm-hmm. And a real personal inspiration for myself. Mm-hmm. Someone who inspired me to have the courage to jump into the community and not worry about what other people are thinking, you know. Yeah, a spiritual person, but also a hard worker. And hey, you know, nothing's going to get handed to you. You have to work for what you want in life and give it your all, which... I respect. Yeah. And I think you guys are going to hear a side to Magnus that you never knew. Mm-hmm. This is a multi-dimensional person with many layers and many, yeah. many wise things to share, which today I know I'll walk away with a lot of great, great tools in my box now. Absolutely. And I, I hope people listening have that same takeaway. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. How do you two know each other? I met you through Fraser at E-Garage when we shot a video called Furious Outlaws where we swapped cars. Yeah. Sung drove 277 and I drove the Faguzi Fagazi. Remember, I couldn't pronounce mm-hmm. it Faguzi. I blew his engine, yeah. by the yeah. way. <clears throat> oh, really? Yes. We never actually talked about that, but I yeah, did. That, 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 that did happen. <laughs> that, that actually did because happen. Because I don't know how to drive a Porsche, especially. Then. That and actually like, did happen. <laughs> and he was so like calm about it. I was like, uh, he's going to get freaking pissed, right? And... Magnus was so zen, hmm. you know. I did blow his engine, yeah. Well, thankfully, we finished the shoot, and it was on the way down the hill. And I remember, like, it went, and I just remember pulling into the bottom pull-in where we pushed it into the spot yeah. for the ending scene and then towed it home. So that was how we met. And I think that was actually 20—I should have looked it up, but I think it was 2016. I was thinking about it this morning because I was really 
you know, looking forward to you know seeing you again. And I was like, so what does Magnus mean to me? And I don't think I, I, I think I told you this, but I always tell people this is that Magnus is the reason I'm here or sitting here right now with you, Amelia, because Magnus is Ted talk. I don't know if you had the privilege of listening to this, but I think it's like nine years old, nine, 2014. Ten, it's actually coming up on its 10 year anniversary. 10 years. Yeah. Wow. It moved me so much. Right. And I need to listen to this. Yeah. And like it, it gave me the courage to go, just go and do it. Go, go get into the car community. Cause I was like, Hey man, you're just this actor from the fast movies. You can't like do that. You can't pursue passion. Like, you know, I always had interest in cars, but I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a race car driver, but I'm like, I have this imposter syndrome thing. It's like, I don't want to be a poser. But, you know, after I listened to Magnus, it was the first person within the car community that actually I could understand. And mm. it, his message resonated. It wasn't about, you know, I was a racer and I'm, you got to be a racer. You got to be a mechanic, go to mechanic school. It's like, it came from a, a place of like, just be passionate about what you're doing. Be open-minded these doors open and you never know what opportunities, what kind of people are you right. going to meet, you know? And it's one of the most important TED Talks, mm. I think, at least for me in my life and then for people in the car community, it's like a must listen. Well, thank you for sharing that. The ironic thing about the TED Talk is I never even heard of TED Talks when they approached me to do one. Wow. And they'd, I got approached and they'd seen the Urban Outlaw short documentary film that came out late October 2012 in early 2014, they approached me to do a TED Talk. And I'm like, what's a TED Talk? I didn't even know what one was. I hadn't even watched it. And long story short, you know, I told my story a few times. So I, I was pretty comfortable telling my story. But it was in an environment where people edited my story. So doing a TED Talk, you have 18 minutes and it's live. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was out of my comfort zone. I left school at 15 with not a lot of education. I did my TED Talk at UCLA on a big stage in front of a thousand people. And I had to sit through probably a dozen TED Talks before I went up. And I was pretty intimidated because these people were talking about what I thought was important stuff that I didn't actually understand. And I'm just going up there talking about go with your gut and do what feels right. And so, you know, I was pretty nervous, but the TED Talk taught me how to get to the point quicker and actually how to be a, more comfortable in a public environment where you can't say, okay, stop, let me redo that again. It was live. So it, it, I sort of benefited from that. And the ironic thing with the TED Talk is it's the most viewed thing I've done. Mm. It's got over almost 10 million viewers last time I looked or was aware of it. And I would say 95% of the people that have watched it had no idea who I am and are not car people. But the message which you so eloquently put transcends the car generation or the car community of just do what you love to do. And I've got more feedback and emails from people that watched the TED Talk that said it inspired them and motivated them to go do something that they were pretty much intimidated by. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have gone down this path of going down a career that they thought they had to do because their parents did it, doctor, mm -hmm. lawyer, something like that. But they weren't really happy in that environment. And really what they wanted to do was be a skater or a surfer or a car guy or make candles or whatever it was. And somehow there was a spark of motivation through the TED Talk that I did that it was kind of like, oh, I should follow my passion, follow my gut, and just do what I love to do. And that's always sort of been my thing. And I think you summed it up really well of, you know, you sort of don't necessarily have to worry about what other people think a lot of the time and just do what makes you happy, what drives you and what motivates you. So that was the story behind the TED Talk. So uh, thanks for sharing that. I mean, your story will parallel a lot with it. You know, as I think, you know, the generation or the 
fan base that you inspire, you mm-hmm. know, is gravitating towards you because probably very similar things of what Magnus represents mm-hmm. for old people like me. <laughs> right? so. I've heard people tell similar stories. You know, you grow up as a kid, everything starts at a young age with a toy model, right? Whatever your car of choice may be. Mine just happened to be Porsche, but I've heard similar stories about people had their poster on the wall, followed their passion, you know, built their first car, which might've been handed down from a family member or some emotional connection. It's always an emotional connection, I feel, to the car, which brings back what I call memorable moments. Your first drive with your dad or the first car you learned to drive in or the first drive with your girlfriend or whatever it may be. So that's kind of a common bond that I think people can relate to because it's like, oh yeah, that was me. I had a poster on the wall. So I I think that's sort of what attracts people to that TED Talk once they hear it and they go back to it is, you know, it's they relate to it. It's a relatable story. You know, Magnus, this is something I always wanted to ask you. And I think probably people in the car community would never guess this, right? And you used to be a cross-country runner. Yeah, I Can did. You, I mean, that's no joke to be a competitive cross-country runner. It's a big deal. Right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I always describe myself as a lone wolf in the sense of, Cross-country running is an individual sport. I was a middle-distance runner, cross-country runner, and ironically, it started at a very young age, and it was back to passion. It was something I enjoyed doing, and it was something I was actually good at doing, and it was an activity that didn't, you don't need any, any, uh, you don't need anything, just a pair of running shoes and shorts, and you go do it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to rely on someone else Mm. in the sense of a team. So I started running at an early age, and I talk about this pivotal point for me that happened when I was 11 years old. This was 1978. And I, I'd i been running competitively and doing pretty well and ended up being North England schoolboy champion. And it, w- it was something I was passionate about and motivated me. And at the time, one of my heroes was this athlete called Sebastian Coe, who actually ran for this club that I ran for called the Hallamshire Harriers. He was probably five, six years older. And he uh, he wrote this, I got a certificate, I finished third, and all he put was, well done, Seb Co. And I still have this thing, because he was an idol of mine that I looked up to, I had posters of him on the wall. And it just goes to show one word of encouragement, well, two words, well done. I'm still mm-hmm. talking about it 40-odd years later, 45 years later. And Sebastian Co. went on to be an Olympic champion in the 800 and 1500 meter uh, discipline and went on to be a world record holder in 1980, 1984, the, the LA Olympic Games in 1984. So it was a significant thing for me that became what I call a teachable element where a little bit of confidence building doesn't really take a lot of effort. When, when people come up to me and say, you know, uh, they've watched my story, watched the film, been motivated by me, I always take time to sort of give back because I, I always revert myself back to Sebastian Coe signing the certificate saying, well done. So it's one of those teachable elements that came through being a middle distance runner, cross country runner. And looking back on my life, going back 45 years, I realized now, which I didn't realize at the time that that discipline of running twice a day, five days a week, setting goals, being motivated Mm -hmm. to achieve those goals, having a little bit of success at an early age sort of set me up for later on in life, Mm. you know, to actually set a goal, be disciplined, motivated, work towards that, but put the effort in. You know, you don't necessarily need the experience or the talent that sort of helps, but that develops and matures over time. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is you want to do in life, I believe if you put the energy in and put the effort in and be dedicated and don't give up. Yeah. A lot of people have great ideas, 
but they probably don't execute them because they've run it by a friend. I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you think? The friend may be negative and say, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. That'll never work type of scenario. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't cross the start line. Mm. It's like you, you know, what the story you just told, you know, so a lot of people sort of back away from, oh, the fear of failure. So I think for me, having that discipline as a young kid and then as a 19-year-old, I worked on a summer camp with inner city underprivileged kids north of Detroit and took a trailways bus from Detroit to LA and arrived in LA. This part of the story is pretty funny because I came with this dream. I grew up watching a lot of American TV, listening to American music. I was influenced by American culture. So arriving in Hollywood, it was weirdly anticlimactic because the Hollywood I'd seen on TV in the 80s, when I arrived at Union Station on a Tuesday morning at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm like, we're all the movie stars, we're all the rock stars, you know. Then I arrived to Hollywood and that was a really sort of wake-up call on Hollywood Boulevard in the mid-80s. But I clicked with it and resonated with it. And every time I go past that YMCA, it's kind of a grounding thing for me because that was ground base zero when I arrived here, not knowing anyone, and I'm still here, whatever it is, 38 years later, and LA's home to me. And I spent 19 years in Sheffield, England, but all my adult life has been LA. Like, I never had a driver's license in England, never owned a car in England, never had my own apartment, never had a real job. I was just sort of bumming around. And so LA was the land of opportunity. It was everything I was into at the time and still is. It's still an inspiring place for me. LA. I, I get inspiration just, just walking around Hollywood. So ironically, Hannah and I bought a house up the road, less than a mile up the road from here, wow. uh, in near the Hollywood Bowl. It's a hundred year old Spanish house that we're restoring. That's cool. You know, I never lived in Hollywood. I'd lived in Venice and downtown for 30 years, but I'd go to Hollywood. But now living here, I'm walking around all these places that bring back these memories of when I first arrived, and it's kind of an inspiring thing. Wow. Do you still have your loft in downtown? downtown? Yeah, I still have the warehouse. I was going to ask about that. Warehouse. You're not getting rid of it, are you? It's like no, an, it's I an mean, institution now. Yeah. This will be the 24th year I've owned that building. I, I've been downtown in the Arts District since 1994. So in 2000, I bought a 26,000 square foot uh, building that was constructed in 1902. So that was where I ran my clothing company. I lived in the loft. I accidentally fell into the film location business 20 years ago mm. by renting that space out for everything like commercial filming, TV shows, music videos, reality shows. And along the way, sort of housed my Porsche collection. Yeah, my dream is a warehouse similar to what you have. That's yeah. a high-level goal one day. Well, you got to make the dream come true, you know, baby yeah. steps and take yeah. that leap of faith. Like you and, said, keep working at it. Yeah, you got to keep doing that. Have you always been a very motivated person? Yeah, I think so, you know. I describe myself as street smart. You know, I left yeah. school with two O levels at 15, went on the dole. But um, yeah, I think when I arrived in LA, I had to be motivated because I didn't know anyone and I didn't want to go back home. For me, failure would be returning to Sheffield, the city I came from. Mm. Not that it's a bad place, but everything sort of I'd grown up aspiring to be around was literally here in LA. I have no education and essentially the clothing, property development, and messing around with cars. It wasn't like I went to school to learn any of that, but I had an interest in it and a passion. And LA is one of those places where opportunity just sort of comes weirdly. You know, people say, you know, oh, you get lucky. I say you make your own luck mm -hmm. by being, put yourself in the right place at the right time. But when someone offers you that opportunity that may be scary to host a podcast, for example, right? Sure, do it. How bad can it be, right? I was asking myself, like, and I, so I went into this rabbit hole of like, 
Why is Magnus Magnus? Yeah, I use this phrase like the light behind his eyes, like the headlights are always on high beam where, mm-hmm. you know, I catch myself, the, the lights start to dim after a while for whatever factors, right? And I'm, I catch myself like, hey, 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 you gotta be careful. You better go get a jolt, you know, go get a jump somewhere. And I use running in my daily life when things are really down and I feel like unmotivated or I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm making myself a victim to life. And like, you know, especially in our business of Hollywood, it's it's a business of no's. Like you're never good enough, right? So it's 99.9% no. And you're waiting for that 0.1 thing. And so I started adopting running because- Do you like running? I like it now as I'm older. Because mm-hmm. before, because I was so competitive because I was younger, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. And then I lose. I'm mm-hmm. not going to win. Right, and all these people are passing me. I'm Winning's like, finishing, right, though, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, now true. I, now I, like, I have these four hills that I run daily. It's like the, as soon as I wake up, like I mm. go, I appreciate at age fifty-one mm. that first of all that I'm still able to do it. There you yeah. go. And I get up there and I've learned, you know, gratitude, which I never had, right? And the I, then the concept of even prayer, right? Like. In my travels, I've gotten to meet very spiritual people. And I was in Kyoto, Japan, which is like one of the most spiritual places in Asia and especially Japan. And this car guy, Mirasan, who, you know, is Rocket Bunny. I don't know if you know Rocket Bunny. They make yeah, body yeah. kids. And him now. Every time I go to visit him, we never do anything car related. He takes me straight to the temples. And he's like, and I, I feel like I have to take you here. And I'm like, to do what? He's like, it's a place where I give thanks. Mm-hmm. That I'm healthy enough to like come here, that I get to pursue this beautiful life of like making cars. I get to meet friends like you. I get to have kids. I have a wonderful wife and a wonderful son. So I just give thanks. And this is where I come and I do this every day. And he's like, Song, do you have a place back in LA? And I go, no. He goes, well, maybe you need to find. Yeah. yeah. So on this run, like I found this place, which... There's a little bench somebody made and I just go there and I pray and I go, thank you for my wife, my life. Thank you for this beautiful dog and the mm. other dog. Thank you for this health. And then I go, thank you for today. I get to do a podcast with a couple of friends and then I go on my way. Second stage is harder. Long, long journey right up this mountain. Third stage is even lonelier and colder. But then the fourth stage is back down the mountain going home. And I'm like, wow, it's not so bad, mm. right? And I use that as like a daily, like you know, kind of discipline to go, hey, keep that, keep that light behind your eyes, like positive. And when I found out that you were a, you know, distance runner or a mid-distance runner, I was like, that's the that's the foundation of how you're able to keep the headlights bright in life, right? You know? Yeah, I, I think so. How many miles a day do you run? I think it's like a five mile okay. course. I used wow. to track everything and then that would get in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I go, I didn't do 12 today or I didn't do 18 today. Right. There was a time where I was running like 22 miles. Wow. Like, I, I called it forest gumping. I no longer run. I haven't run in a long time, but um, I think once you get to a certain point in life, priorities shift, things change, things that were important before are not quite as important at a certain point. You know, and you start sort of 
thinking along the lines of what you were talking about. Mm. You know, things to keep you grounded, but also motivated, keep the light on, mm. the passion burning bright. You know, my my thing, you know, it's it's 2024, right? So there's New Year's resolutions. And, you know, my thing is to continue doing what I call cool shit with cool people, but mm. collaborate and create more with other people mm. as opposed to being this sort of lone wolf where, you know, I'm a one-man army doing stuff on myself because it is hard to stay motivated and actually, you know, continue to create things that you're proud of all the time. Mm. You know, I think life goes in this circle of highs and lows and, mm -hmm. you know, peaks and plateaus and you reach a certain level and then sidestep maybe, take a different turn and see where that road goes. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you 100% committed to drag racing? Whenever I do something, I'm giving it 110%. I really don't half-ass things that I do. That's why I never went or I haven't gone into a competitive racing series because of acting. I cannot take on responsibility of racing and then book a role and know that I have to let down sponsors or I can't or I'll lose points because I can't race because then I'm not giving it my 110%. I feel like everything I do, I have to give everything. Yeah, I can relate that completely. Kind of like, I used to do a lot of track days from 2002 to 2008. And I went through the program where you turn up with a street car, you do some time trial, and then you go next level, you get club race license, you're doing some wheel to wheel. But I'm still doing it in 277 streetable track car, not a Mm. fully caged, dedicated race car. Because I Mm -hmm. like the idea of driving it to the track and back. And so you go down this slippery slope. I think you can probably relate to it, right? Where you just get in it, you get motivated. The time, the energy, the dedication, your craft gets better. You become a better driver. I started instructing. But then there became a point where the more competitive it became, you know, these three-day events become all-consuming, prepping the car. you got to travel there. It's a five-day event. Mm-hmm. And for me, the more competitive it became, the less fun it became. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, And I said to myself, I'm kind of done with this because I'm no longer 100% committed to doing this. And I I realized if you're not 100% committed to being on the track, you don't go on the track. Mm. Because that's when stuff goes wrong when you're not 100% committed. Or at Mm. least from my point of view, it's like there's a shadow Mm. of doubt, second guessing yourself. I was no longer competitive. I wonder if that notion of not being 100% committed to something... I wonder if you can apply that to anything you want to be successful in. Oh, I think everything. Everything in life. First of all, you've got to believe in yourself and have confidence that you're going to be able to achieve this goal that you've set, whatever it may be, running up the hill faster, going around a track faster or whatever. So I think you need that inner self-confidence and focus where you can block out the external negativity and noise that might distract you and derail you, first of all. But ultimately, I think whatever it is you're doing, whether you're making candles or surfing or whatever, you got to be 100% committed to it. Otherwise, I don't think you give your all. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the difference right there. So you're very selective on what you focus your energy on. Yeah. Were you always like that or did, did you have to learn that? No. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. I, I was very competitive growing up, but I feel like 
when I was growing up, I wanted to do and try everything to get experience in everything. And I think once I solidified with the things in my life that I was most passionate about, that's when I had that shift happen of, okay, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to give it my all because we get one life on this earth. I don't want to become older and be like, man, I should have tried a little harder. Yeah. You know? So it's okay to lose passion, right? Like, yeah, because I think right. generally what happens is, uh, you know, you'll find passion elsewhere. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. different opportunity. You know, I think you've got to be committed to what you're doing and you got to prioritize. Like if acting's more of a priority than drag racing is, you follow that path until maybe acting's not quite as exciting or nurturing or you're not getting as much out of it or or you just feel like you need a break and you need to try something else. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I never had a plan. You know, people talk mm. about where do you see yourself in, especially at school, where mm. do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years? I never had that plan, you know, and that sort of enabled me to really just go with the flow and then you get to a certain point, opportunity comes up and you go, yeah, that feels good. And it's like when we bought the building downtown, the warehouse, like in 2000. People thought we were crazy at the time for doing that, but it was the best thing we ever did. You know, I was able to house the cars, got into the film location business, ran a clothing company, and then the neighborhood came up around. And now mm -hmm. the arts district is kind of like the new Culver City, the new Venice. It is so expensive. You know, I was looking for shop space over there and oh my gosh. It's yeah, in, it wasn't like that 20, yeah. 25 years ago. But I took a leap of faith, bought this building, restored this building, and everything that I've been talking about since I walked through that door sort of happened through that building. And I have to sort of be grounded in an environment that I feel comfortable in that's creative. Like sometimes, you know, I'll go to car collections and people have got fancy, great stuff, but I look at where it is and it's in some concrete tilt up and it's just a generic space. Mm. And to me, you know... Lack of character. Yeah. I, soul. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Soul, character, patina. You know, it, it all needs to be housed in this environment that reflects my personality. Like someone's got great flashy cars that they don't drive in a clinical industrial building. I go, this just doesn't, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. Like when people want to show me cars that have no miles on it and they're proud of it because, you know, they don't drive it. I go, well, it's kind of built to be driven, right? I'm more interested in show me the car with a million miles on it because that's got the stories and the memorable moments and the history. And that's just more interesting mm -hmm. to me. Because you left fashion. I mean, that was a passion of yours. Yeah, you yeah. There, right? And then, I mean, how were you able to leave that? Like, because it was such easy, a big, big part easy. of your life. I mean, I started selling secondhand clothing on the boardwalk in Venice in the late 80s. You know, I'd go to yard sales, buy Levi's for like 50 cents, cut up some shirts, sew some patches on it. It was a creative outlet for me. You know, and it was I, I was coming at it from this rock and roll, I guess, pseudo hippie thing. And then late 80s, early 90s, the rave scene took off and everyone was into sort of flower power and whimsical floppy hats. And it was just a whole movement. And that led into developing this clothing company called Sirius. Like I say, that was a rock and roll brand that I was passionate about. It was just, I didn't, my mom had taught me how to sew because at the time I tried to make my jeans as tight as possible and sew patches on my denim jacket so I could sew. So that was kind of a little skill set that I had. And it was just kind of easy to get into. And I realized back to like the running thing, once I had a little bit of success by making something that people actually appreciated and bought, and generated some income so I was financially stable on my own, it was baby steps, but it was the same connection as the running. Uh, I talk about this a little bit sometimes. 
the three things that I've done in the past 40 years with no education, and I mentioned it earlier, was the clothing, property development, and cars. The common bond thread was I was passionate about. Mm. So the clothing company, I just liked what we were making. Other people liked it. It got into this rock and roll lifestyle, you know, opened up a lot of opportunities to work with bands, got some magazine coverage. And this all happened sort of, you know, way before the internet. This was 80s and 90s. You know, there was no thing as Instagram and Facebook and social media. And in a way, it was sort of easier. When I look back then, you know, you weren't wasting time checking your phone and do people like this, not like, it didn't matter. It was like, I liked it. We sold it. Other people liked it. Bands wore it. Move on. Just always evolving, not second guessing, not worrying about what other people think. So uh, to answer your question, I closed Sirius down in 2011 and probably two, three years before, I was now in my early 40s, so I wasn't going out as much to clubs. I didn't really have to dress up and, you know, sort of, I just lost interest in it. I'd lost passion for it, you know. Mm. It had become sort of, didn't interest me, didn't motivate me. And the last couple of years of doing it was sort of treading water. Sales were dwindling, but all of our friends worked for the company and, we just sort of gave them like six months notice of, hey, we're going to close this thing down. We didn't sell it. You know, we just sort of ended it. We just shipped all our orders and said, okay, we're done with that chapter of the life. And thankfully, the film location business was successful enough that it was paying the mortgage on the building. And mm. I didn't know what was going to come next. But I, like I say, the clothing company took a lot of time and energy to continually be on top of it because we, we designed and manufactured it. It wasn't like... We just bought T-shirts and did screen prints. We actually did the whole thing. So it was a full-time operation. And when I closed that down, I had a lot of time and didn't know what was coming next. Back to this, I hadn't planned for life after running a clothing company. But what happened within six months was Timmy Moscovici's short documentary, Urban Outlaw, that put me on the map. And then the next sort of 10, 12 years from 2012, that film came out October 15, 2012. I got invited all around the world to go to events and travel and car-related stuff. And the point to my rambling here is, if I was still running the clothing company, managing a business with employees, I would never have had the time to take advantage of these opportunities of mm -hmm. travel, meet people like Bob Ingram, go to Japan, hang out with Nakaya-san, all this cool stuff. You know, I ended up in Need for Speed video game and various other things. That just became my focus. But I hadn't planned it. Mm. But indirectly, I'd closed the door of the clothing company that was a 60-hour-a-week, all-consuming gig. And then when people started inviting me places to do things I was passionate about, nothing was holding me back. I had a passport, and you, know, you could say to me today, hey, do you want to go somewhere on Friday? I'd be like, sure, I'll go. So sometimes you've got to take this leap of faith and not be so hemmed into... This is where I, I need to be at this certain time with this rigid sort of sometimes restrictions on can't do this, can't do that. So mm -hmm. that was the ultimate freedom, being able to do whatever you wanted to do when you wanted to do it, mm -hmm. when the opportunity arose mm -hmm. in that sort of environment. So closing down serious clothing wasn't a hard decision. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like when we did it, we're like, we should have done this two years before. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if we'd done it two years before, Urban Outlaw wasn't out. So, well, and everything happens for a reason, and yeah. time is the reason not everything happens at once. Right, and, and you got to be patient and just let things evolve sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's true, too, that you need to create space in your life to allow new things to come in. Yeah, very much so. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
I've always wanted to ask you this question, especially these days. And if you're uncomfortable with with it, we can actually cut this out. Go for it. Karen was your first wife, Correct. right? Well, yeah. actually, she was. I was married before. She was my second wife. Second wife. I'd been with Karen for 21 years. And that's who you started the business with, yeah, yeah. and you had a wonderful life with her. She has passed away. Correct. Right? So my question is a personal question because you know my father, my stepfather. As of late, he's very unhealthy, right? And I guess, you know, everyone's preparing for him to leave us, right? And I do feel like it's going to rock me and my sister. And there's a lot of like regrets that I have that I'm trying to like sort out in my personal life with him, you know, because it wasn't always rosy with him. For someone who's gone through this loss of someone that is, you know, important to you, like, how do you not let those things dim your light, Magnus? Because we're talking about all, like, everything is very inspirational here. Like, it's, and to the listener, it could sound like, oh, everything was so nice, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? But you, the road. you have to realize yeah. you're human and yeah, it's not always nice, right? Yeah, no? yeah, I mean, Karen passed away in 2015 and I met her in 1994. So we've been together. 21 years and we, we built this thing together the clothing company and bought the building and Karen's passing was a real shock that didn't see it coming it wasn't expected wasn't expected you know it was it was a terrible loss and you know I had no time to plan for the inevitable mm. like my father passed away in 2012 and I sort of had a turbulent relationship with my father because this will be a long answer to your question, but it, I think it, there'll be some relevance to it. You talked to her on about me being a cross-country runner, and middle-distance runner, and I talked at some detail about having a certain amount of early success at that. And my father was there with me through that. And once I hit the age of like 14 in England, you can go to the pub, start drinking. I was going to rock and roll shows. I just stopped running. And it really hurt my dad, but being from England and Northern and in this 80s period, he couldn't communicate, you know, and it was like, I talked about Sebco riding well done. I didn't talk about my dad patting me on the back and saying well done because he never did it. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's usual for guys to have turbulent relationships with the father. And that was my setup with my father. You know, he'd say, cut your hair and get a real job. Well, I've probably hinted, I've had long hair for 45 years and I've never had a real job. I've never worked for anyone else. So, my dad and I butted heads. And when I came to America as a 19-year-old, the goal was never to go back to England because mm. I didn't want to go back to that environment. Mm. And that represented failure for me. So when I met Karen in 94, you know, and we sort of formed together and grew together and we were together all the time. When she passed out of the blue, there'd been some issues, but it wasn't looking like someone has a terminal disease. Like my father was diagnosed with cancer in 2010 and passed away in 2012. But he wasn't active. You know, he'd sort of let life slip him by. Kind of the, I think that was what part of what motivated me to never give up was I'd seen my father give up at an early age mm. and it didn't look good. Mm. And he didn't really have any goals. You know, he could have achieved stuff, but he wasn't 100% committed and didn't put the energy in. So when my father passed away, it was sad. But I didn't have this great relationship with him. When Karen passed away, it was it was the end of the world. And, and I thought my life was over. And that part of my life was over. 
And then 18 months later, when I turned 50, I met Hannah, and that was the beginning of a second leaf on life, a second opportunity, a second chapter in my story. Turning 50 was kind of a big deal because people say it's just a number, but yeah, health became a thing, mental health and physical health so you can go running. And, you know, ironically, within six months of Karen passing away, one day I was on the Sixth Street Bridge, they closed it down and I hopped, the, the bridge was dark, they were just about to tear it down and I hopped over the wall and I hadn't anticipated the, the rise of the incline when I dropped on the other side, it was like a 10 foot drop. And I felt like, oh, that didn't land well. I shouldn't have done that. And long story short, I kind of went undiagnosed. I'm walking around traveling. Four months later, I can't walk in excruciating pain. I find out I had stress fracture cracks on both of my tibias, essentially broke both my legs, but I was still walking. But that put me in a wheelchair for two months. And I think in a way it was, it was something out of my control that forced me to slow down and stop because I hadn't stopped when she passed. I just sort of shifted gears and went in another direction. So I don't really know if there's an answer here other than you find a way to deal with situations and adapt to that environment. Whether you plan it or like me being in a wheelchair for two months, it's a tough thing and everyone deals with it in a different way. And I don't feel there's any right and wrong way to deal with it. I don't know if that answers. It's a great the, answer. The question is... You know, the way I'm interpreting it is like, it's not going to be a, all of a sudden a new paint job on a car. It's going to be part of your patina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just got to accept it. And it's I've sucks. been here trying not to tear <laughs> up. It's sad. Uh, you know, and it's not going to be easy. But, it's not going to be you know, easy, but life goes on and you, you just got to sort of keep moving forward. Yeah. Can I add to that conversation? Yeah, yeah, I know we've yeah. talked about in the past, death is so hard and it breaks my heart to hear um, everything that you went through. Obviously, it's no secret about my life, all the shit that I've gone through. But I will say, you don't want to live with any regret. And I think if you're questioning it, it might be worthwhile to at least have the conversation. You know, it's, so you yeah, don't question it I, I do on. feel like I'm in a, where I am currently today, if my dad passed away, I would have tons of regret. But yeah, similar to you, like, you know, he's old school dude. And we just, it's like, you know, we have so many things to go over but it's kind of irony of life is that or you know he's passing start. away because of dementia and he doesn't even remember oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like i started laughing yeah, no, like, I hey dad you remember this he's like i don't remember i don't even know who you are right you know it's like i just started laughing my right? first response <laughs> to that though is for you huh. even though he's not going to remember you got to get it out i think yeah because he's not going to remember it, but you're letting it go whilst he's still here. And second off that, after my dad passed, someone told me something because they had lost their father as well. I think it was almost a decade prior. And he said to me, not a single day had gone by that he hadn't thought of his dad. And that hit a chord because I was like, oh shit, does that mean I'm going to live the rest of my life thinking about the fact that my dad's died at least once every single day? And the sad truth is, yeah, I think at least once a day for my entire life, I've thought of him. And I share that because that's the regret, I think, is if you do find yourself thinking about it, at least in mine, since that's mine, everyone, everyone's going to go through their own thing. Yeah. You don't want to have those thoughts of, should I have just had the conversation? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, yeah. woulda. Even if yeah. he's not relating to it, you're expressing your emotions and letting it out. Whether he receives it or not, kind of irrelevant, I think, because you're going to let it go. 
Yeah. It sounds like he's not going to be able to absorb it through the dementia, but I think you'll feel lighter that you said whatever it is you got to say. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's one of those like mountains that I look up and I go, I got to run that. And but you're doing it every day? Yeah, Baby go, steps. Yeah. yeah. And then it's One step the, at a time. It, it, it's the thing that I do feel like at 51 today, like if I don't resolve this, this is something I'll carry with me for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. You said it yourself, your run is in four stages. Yeah. yeah. Gotta get, gotta you know get to the bench do. first. Yeah. yeah. I think you know what you gotta do. Many times you know the answer, huh? And yeah. You just gotta, you know, the good thing is that, you know, my manager, I, I was like talking to him like last week and he goes, you know, it's interesting because like you're so Asian. And I was like, what? What the, that's like, is that a racist <laughs> thing? And he's like, no, because you hold everything in. Like you don't, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. He's like, it's, he's like, I'm not saying complain. He's like, you got to actually talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just hold everything in. It's like, you just try to take care of everything. And then we don't know what's, what you're going through. That's kind of like the British right? thing as well. Keep calm, carry on. You know, mm -hmm. we don't let it out. You know, it's, but that's not difficult. always healthy, I no, guess. No, for sure not. No, this is what I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that I'm, I'm realizing. I, at least I'm willing to talk about it. Because yeah. then, you know, I, you know, your point of reference is like, it gives me courage. Like, yeah, right. That's you're right. Step. You know, it's like, it's not something I should avoid, you know. Well, and if the conversation goes bad, it doesn't sound like he might remember it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, dark joke. There you go. No, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, you guys like, can laugh at it. You gotta be able to laugh at For it. Sure. I was like, I was like, because I used to carry it like it was like this bag of rocks, like of anger. Yeah. And I was like, and one day I'm gonna sit down with you, and I'm just gonna like throw the rocks at you, and then I was like, he ain't gonna remember what I'm yeah. talking about. And I just started laughing. I was like, this is you can't make this stuff up. No, 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 you can't <laughs> script it. Yeah. Right? This is not an act. This is like yeah. real the real emotion coming out. Yeah. I got one more story that's gonna tie in real briefly. Cause okay. with my dad, I remember the last real time I spent with him was probably the last time he came out to LA. So it's 2009, 2010. And we went on this madcap adventure to go check some, you know and find Porsches that we'd seen on Craigslist. You know, it became this all-day journey. I remember we drove in my Irish Green 66 911 and we drove somewhere out to the Inland Empire to look at something and it wasn't quite what it was supposed to be. And then the guy goes, no, you know, my buddy out near California City has got like a bunch of cars in his backyard. So we headed on this other journey. By the time we got back home, we only thought we were going for two hours. It had been like an eight-hour day. We'd driven like 300 miles. We'd looked at a pile of crap cars that weren't worth 500 bucks. We didn't buy anything. But we kind of had like this breakthrough moment of, I'd never spent eight hours in a car with my dad when I was driving, when he wasn't shouting at my mom for giving him the wrong directions or whatever it was. And it just sort of became this full circle moment of, I guess we both realized at that point without saying sorry that we'd sort of resolved whatever issues, mm. resentment, anger, whatever, you know. It's like, yeah, I never cut my hair, I never got a real job, but we're doing okay here, right? So, mm -hmm. Vegas F1, you were there? <laughs> Thank you, I Vegas. was there. Thank you. What's your take on Vegas? Seemed like pretty good to me. I thought it was great. I yeah. really had a great time. I found obviously it different from other races that I've been to because it felt like wherever you bought your tickets, you were kind of gridlocked. You right. couldn't walk the track or go explore. But I had a great time. I thought it was fun. I thought they put up a great event. It was well organized. I'll say that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we were there. You know, I think everyone sort of thought it was going to be a shit show, and it wasn't. Well, everyone was like preemptively like talking shit, right. prepared for it right. to be. But you know, they made a couple of mistakes, but that was first time out. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta fail somehow to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the event was great. It looked spectacular, and. Uh, I say it was a win-win all around. Vegas. That's why you can't believe anything you read on the yeah. internet. Because it's funny because I'd see all these terrible things. I'm like, wait, I'm yeah. here right now. It's not like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's all because the, there was only negative like feedback. And then when I talked to you and talked to you and anybody went there, it was, like, it was great. Vegas yeah. is you're right. It's the hospitality town. Yeah, it was really really cool. Huh. What are you guys looking forward to this year when it comes to car related stuff? Hmm. Did you go to King of Hammers and events like that? Did you, did you go out there? No, I'll be going to Tokyo Auto Salon. Oh, okay. Wow. Have you been to Auto Salon? No, I've never been. I've been to Tokyo, but no, I'd love to go there. Hannah and I are off to a Retromobile in Paris. Ooh. Coming cool. up, we've gone there before. We're going to go to Amelia Island. Have you ever gone there, the Concord? I have, yeah. So ironically, this is uh, I've been invited back to be a judge, which is kind of ironic. It's the third time. And I'm the guy that's always sort of saying, you know, I'm anti-car show. It's my pet peeve of people with white gloves and Q-tips judging your car and telling you what's right and wrong about it. But two years ago, I got invited to be a judge there. And it was great because I met Peter Brock. He's a legend. John Oates, legend. Ended up becoming friends with John Oates. He came down the warehouse. He's a big Porsche guy. Yeah, yeah. super yeah. cool, down-to-earth, mm -hmm. talented guy. So that, that was a great example of something that I'd sort of turned my nose up a little bit. I guess it's all about evolving and brought, like collaborating with other people, and you never mm. know, you know, what opportunities, mm. you know, that door opens. Like meeting John Oates and Peter Brock was a great opportunity, and uh, yeah, that's what brings pure motorheads, gearheads, whatever you want to call them, car people together, is the joy of this 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 thing, right? You know, this you know, it's an appliance, right? But it's more than that. You know, it takes you on this journey. It's more than something that you commute and takes you on a journey from A to B. It opens up the world to sharing stories like we're doing here. It's hard to articulate to people that don't like cars why the connections work. Right. Mm -hmm. oh, it's like dog people. It's like, if yeah, you love yeah, dogs, yeah. like instantly like, oh, what kind of dog you have? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, rah, rah, rah. And then it's like, hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you, do? you know, and it's that connective tissue. Mm -hmm. Cars and dogs go together right. for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does he run with you? He runs on Fridays with me. Okay, okay. But He doesn't like Thursdays? No, it's like I'm worried... <laughs> I'm worried that he's as he gets older, he's gonna have some like, hip joint. problems. So okay. I don't want to mm -hmm. do this. So on Friday, he wants to come. Okay, but okay. you know, I, I take him for as soon as I run, either before or after, I take him on a long walk. Okay, but on Fridays, he gets to actually run with me, and he loves it. I do want to this year, and I, someone told me, gave me advice: don't tell people like your plans, right? Yeah, just but do it. This is a a goal that I have. Sounds to me like you're telling people you want to do it. Huh? Sounds to me yeah, like you're yeah, telling yeah. people you want to do well, it. I am going to do. Oh, what are you, you going to do? Gonna do? Ultra. ultra. Oh, an ultra? Which is like 60, and then there's 100, and wow. there's 250. That's a long, long like, way. I'd like to do that. I'll like, be there cheering you on. You know you won't, because it's like in the middle <laughs> of nowhere. But I won't be running it. <laughs> I'll be on the finish uh, line. That's a lot of steps. <laughs> yeah, I step. yeah, I want to challenge. Like, I want to fight. Like Fight through. Know. Yeah. Got to break through. Yeah. You what do they call it? The wall? Is that what they call it? The wall? What is that? The 18-mile marker? Yes. That's right. right. I think 18. it's the wall. Mm. But anyway. Get out and run. Yeah. But thank you, Magnus. This was Yeah, really beautiful. appreciate you beautiful. coming by, coming on. It was good on. coming in. Appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for coming on.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.